after Philip and Thomas had that question, Lord, show us the way. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Because the Lord had said in John 14, where I go, the way you know. What is that way? What is the path to heaven? Is there a particular path through space? Is there a highway, a superhighway to get to heaven that only the Lord knows? There is a path. It's called righteousness. The way of the cross of Jesus. The cross is such a sentimental uh, symbol for millions, billions of people across the earth. And a good majority of them know what that cross means. It has to do with death. It's not an ornament, but the cross means death because people were crucified on that cross. And the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. And yet the Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way is the way of the cross, and the cross is a, a select road. It's a select highway. Can't get to heaven through any highway, but that one singular path, and that's the path of the Lord Jesus. And Thomas says, Lord, you don't, we don't know where you're going. How can you say that we know the way? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. If you're with me and in me, where I go, you will come, because I'm with you. Didn't the Lord say, I'm with you even unto the end of the age. So he's in heaven, but he's also with us. He's able to do that. I am the way, John 14, 6, the famous verse, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, Jesus is the way. And it's not some statement without meaning for our personal walk. Because if he's the way and I've embraced him, that means I must walk with him. In the epistle of John, it says that if he's in the light, then I must walk in the light to have fellowship with him. What is the light? Light has to do with love, God's love, in my heart for the Lord. And we can't exclude people because God says, how can you claim to love God whom you cannot see? You haven't seen him. If you don't love the person you can see in front of you. Many, many times I've come to the scriptures, I know you have also, especially in the epistles of John, where it speaks about love continually. You can't escape it. And the book of James, where it talks about love again, and the words we use and the thoughts we think, they're very um, precise and also surgical in nature because God exposes our hearts and he, wants to correct us, and it's a very, very deep surgery that the Lord does in our hearts. That's the only way we can be fit to follow the way, Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Let's go to John chapter 9. That's where we left off, I believe, last time. John chapter 9. Let's see what the Lord has recorded in the Bible for us for 2,000 years. 
Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In the Old Testament, certain things were explained as a result of a curse upon people. God's people were promised certain things. And often, the people would correlate misfortune, sickness, with sin. But the Lord is saying there's something new going on. I'm coming here to set the captives free. And not everyone that is sick has sinned. Not everyone that is going through a hard time has done something wrong. Imagine people looking at Jesus as they did. They looked at him on the cross and they said, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Physician, you're healing a lot of people, why don't you heal yourself? You must have done something wrong. It's not a blessing. God is not with him. We thought when he was healing people, when the crowds were following him and when they had the palm branches and they're laying their clothing on the ground, and we thought that God was with him. Even Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know that no one can do the works you do unless God is with them. You must be from heaven. You must have the endorsement in favor of the Father. But now that he was on the cross, many witness him being whipped, scourged, beaten. Many witnessed him with the crown of thorns. Absolutely devastating to behold. And many people were scratching their heads well, if he was really from God, I mean, in the Old Testament it says, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. The man must be cursed. Look, he's hanging on the cross. How important it is to have the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Where we can even gather scriptures together partially and come to a conclusion that's not at all accurate. as with this person, this man who was born blind. So they did with Jesus, and as they did with Jesus, well, something must be wrong in his life. Look at the way he's suffering. When will the suffering end? Look at him. Look at that man. You can see children and people talking. Mommy, why is that man on the cross? Why? Why is he hanging for so many hours? What's happening? Wasn't he the one? I thought you said he... Sh- Right. God says something. The book of Micah, minor prophet in the Old Testament, he said, What does the Lord demand of you? What does he require? The first thing is, he says, do justly. Do the right thing. Have right thoughts. Don't jump to conclusions. Human nature is immediately we 
size a person up and we begin to make judgments upon their clothing, upon their personality, upon their background, upon their race, upon their economic status, how many judgments can flash through an individual's mind at lightning speed and they all could be wrong and often they are. We need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, my external actions may be proper, quote-unquote, but the millions of thoughts that are going in my heart and mind judging people, oh Lord, if I'm at fault, forgive me. And the Lord will show if we're sincere. Well, these people, including the disciples, they're wondering. The, the man was cursed. That's why he was born blind. Something's going on. They would have been shocked with the, by the answer of the Lord Jesus. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Often sin does cause a lot of problems, including illness, often. And God in his mercy will be able to speak through us during that period more than any other time when we're healthy and well and prosperous. And so that suffering can become a blessing in disguise, as it said, where the person's heart is forever drawn to the Lord and they'll never forget, God rescued me from this. I thought I was doing pretty good. I thought, you know, I, I have God, but I have me. And God and me, we are co-pilots in life. When I need help, I turn to God. When I don't need help, I do my thing. That person doesn't have God as God because they want to have some control and they want to determine what they'd like to do. Even if God says, no, no, my child, come this way. What way is that, Lord, way of righteousness? What does that mean, Lord? You need to love, you need to forgive. No, Lord, let's go this way. What way is that, my child? The way of unforgiveness, bitterness, wrath, vengeance, jealousy. I feel I deserve to be like that, Lord, because you know what people did to me. And look at that one looking at me. No mercy, Lord. And the other one is biased. And the other one is judging me. So I have a right to be cold toward them too. The Lord says, my child, that's not the way of righteousness. My way is a way of love, righteousness. Lord, but I really, really want to go to that party where they have spooky things and all. Everybody's going in the office, Lord, and it's fun to dress up and look at that one and dress like a witch and that one is a wizard and this one is a this and that and you know if I don't go there the company president won't like me I may not get a bonus what does the Lord say don't worry about it I'm your provider not your boss on earth you stand for righteousness you have nothing to do with witches or wizards even in jest but everybody the way is narrow Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Lord, they're all playing lottery over there, Lord. They, the whole office is participating, or the family, or the neighbors. Come on, let's let's do a little gambling together. Why don't you put up $10, everyone, and 
We'll see who gets the prize. Some things border on trusting in chance and luck instead of God. And so there are many times when the Lord will say, follow me. And to follow him doesn't mean just to follow him to a sentimental journey, to kneel down in a cathedral or a church or in our own homes and say, Lord, I confess all my sins to you and I feel better when I get up and I go back to being the same way I was when I knelt down. Rabbi, who sinned? Somebody must have sinned somewhere. If not this man, we don't know, carrying sin, then his parents. Jesus said, in this situation, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. This situation has confronted us. We have a problem. And the Lord says, I came to solve this problem. I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of problems to solve for a lot of people while the time is right. There's coming a time when we won't be able to do this work. And if you look at the New Living Translation, it says this, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. We can understand the night as a time of darkness, a time when evil reigns and people are restricted, as it is currently now in many parts of the world where you're not allowed to open your mouth and tell people about Jesus in some countries. And if you do, it means a lot of trouble. So, a lot of people say, save yourself and your family the trouble. Don't you dare open your mouth and say anything about Jesus anywhere. And there's a time to say it. And God himself shows that sometimes he withdrew. We need to be led by the Spirit. But there are tasks that God gives each of us. We're not meant to be islands by ourselves. Tasks to do what? He said this in connection with this man's blindness. He said, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. I'm about to do something. Who are the people around us that need Jesus Christ? And the task he's given us is go and preach the gospel to every creature. See that specifically at the end of Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to his disciples. But he's also speaking to his would-be disciples down the, through the ages. Including us. Go and preach the gospel. And preach is to proclaim. Go and tell someone 
that Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. Tell someone. Because he is the solution. We must quickly carry out the tasks. What is the task? The task God has given us. Go and tell others about me. While you are following the light, you can be the light. But if you're in darkness, you can't go and share the light because God's power won't be there to back you up. But if you're walking in the light and you speak God's truth, people will be set free. And we have a limited amount of time. That's what he's saying. Every one of us, if we have these um, hourglasses where the sand goes down, maybe it'll take a couple of hundred little hourglasses to determine the time we have for a month of our lives. And maybe we multiply that by thousands and thousands. Imagine having that all over your house. Hourglasses, and you see, okay, my my time is up. Now, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, uh, that hour is gone. Now, I'm going from 7 to 8. Here's the next class. Time is slipping away, but the Lord says, you have tasks I've assigned you. Who? The pastor? Yes. The evangelist? You have to be called of God, consecrated for that service. Yes. The apostle? Yes. There's a commission. They're sent out. The teacher, the prophet, and how about every child of the king, every believer. We need to spend time seeking God. That's the only way we can find out. We need to say, Lord, I've always come to you for my needs. And I'm constantly coming to you with an agenda. And I know you love me and you want me to ask you because you told me to. It's your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. That's what God said. God doesn't mind us asking him for anything. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. The condition is, if you abide in me, listen to me and obey me. But have we ever said, Lord, today I'm coming to you to pray or at this particular moment. I'm not coming to ask you for something personally for my comfort or my deliverance, my healing, even though God wants that, He's provided for that. But Lord, I'm 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 growing up. I'm growing up spiritually. What I want to know, Lord, is what are the tasks you've given me? Within that great commission to go and tell people, Lord, who do you want me to speak to today? And what is the speech that God wants us to speak? Is it here, let me help you get your groceries. Let me help you up the stairs. Let me help you make that phone call, you know, an elderly person or sick, shut-in person. Let me do this for you or that for you. Yes, absolutely. In the book of James, the Lord warns, it's no use saying God bless you and not helping the people with their needs yet. The main need every human being, regardless of race or creed or color, all over the globe, 7 billion people or so, 
Every one of those people, every one of us, needs the blood of the Lamb of God to take away this terrible, permanent spot, blemish on our hearts that will prevent us from getting to heaven. We can do a miracle and take that permanent spot out. Called sin. Everyone has that need, regardless of their profession, what they've done and what they want to do. The first order of business is, am I born again? Is every one of my loved ones born again? This is what I'm seeking. That's the primary thing. And within that, God has tasks. How to go about and tell the people and how to reach out, how to use all that we have. The Lord said this. He said, um, you know, money is used in in this world. Money is not righteous. But it can be used for righteousness. How? You can use money to win many, many friends into the kingdom of God. You can use your abilities. How many people I have heard of, I mentioned this one lady in particular, this this widow, this grandmother, in her 70s, and I believe she ministered until her 80s. You know what she did? I mentioned this before. Here she is. Her children have gone away. She's all by herself. Because she loves the Lord, she's a busy woman. She's not occupied with the soap operas and touring the malls, as so many older ladies do, many, many widows who see them. They go to the deli and they go to the restaurant and then they go to the mall and they go to a movie. They go to Atlantic City. They go to Gamble. Oh, they just... Keep on, whatever the husband left and whatever they've amassed, it's time for them to have a good time. The kids have gone, the grandchildren have gone, everybody's gone doing their own thing, and we're going to do our own thing. We have a couple of ladies, call up Sue and call up Farah, and let's, let's get on that bus. Where are you going? Atlantic City. We'll do this, we'll do that. Then we'll go and check out the arts and craft over there. Oh, a day full of activities. They're busy but they're the walking dead. Isn't that the truth? They may be lovely people, very mannerful, very polite. They may even give some to charity. They have no life. They're simply wasting time. Well, eternity is fast approaching. They have to stand before God. But there's another woman, such as this woman I mentioned before, She was busy for God. She would pray. In the middle of the night, she would pray, not for herself, but for anyone God brought to her mind. What kind of woman is that? That's a godly woman. And often people wouldn't even know that she's praying. A real disciple of Jesus. When you pray, go into your closet, your room, shut the door, and When you pray in secret, your Father in Heaven sees you in secret praying. No show, and He will reward you openly. Another thing she did was, she got access to the prisons, and for a while, she would bake cookies, spend her money, go and get the flour, go and get that cake mix or whatever it is, and spend the time very lovingly. A whole bunch of cookies to who? Rebels. 
violators of the law. You think, my dear lady, you're better off going to the Boy Scouts. You're better off going to some local charity. Why are you going to the prisoners? These people have offended so many people. Look at the damage they've caused. But she said, yes, but I've also caused damage to the Lord. He did not repay me according to my crimes. And I didn't know him. I was living for myself. He forgave me. He gave me love when I didn't show him love. I showed the opposite. And you know what happened? The prisoners were looking eagerly for this old lady to come in with her bags of cookies along with God loves you, Jesus loves you. And here's a, a tract with those cookies, very attractive packet. Those prisoners would enjoy, as they called her mama, mama's cookies. She became mama to them. Many, many prisoners, different races, different ages, different offenses. The officers there in the prison, they're just wondering how these men who are so evil, their hearts melt when this old lady comes in with her cookies. And her God bless you, Jesus loves you, and I love you. And many of them enjoyed the cookies and they were reading the tract. In the world's estimation, that's a total waste of time. It's hopeless. What are you doing? Don't you know? All of these people in prison, every one of them has done something wrong. Is that so? There may be a case like this man born blind where people are wrongly implicated and incarcerated. There are those. How can we judge? Because I'm on the outside, can I judge the people on the quote-unquote inside? With blanket statements? Or should I say, Lord, even the ones that did wrong, I need to show your love because they can get saved. God can take a pig and turn it into a lamb. He can take a person who's so filled with demons and shatter that prison, a demonic prison of rage and immorality and theft and murder. He says in the book of Corinthians, such were some of you. Paul knew some of the people in Corinth. He said, you people were evil. God has forgiven you. Paul himself went by his Jewish name Saul or Shaul. And he went around getting permission to persecute Christians and kill them. And when he got born again, the church was very afraid and they had to be convinced. And he proved himself. He labored more abundantly than just about all of them. Such a radical transformation. A murderous man becoming a self-sacrificial man. He suffered a lot so that others can live just like his Lord. Well, this woman was making these cookies and taking the time lovingly. It wasn't some good gesture, you know, I'll do my uh, charity work. If you look at a graph, you make a pie graph, what do you see? You have divisions like a pizza pie, slices, 
when somebody does a budget, they allocate this slice to this expenditure and this to this, and you have a, a graphical uh, a visual, a graphic visual to determine what this is all about. Well, a person's life, they can determine that. And many people say, well, it's important to give to charity. Of course, many people know they get a tax break. But there are people who are sincere. But they're sincerely off the mark. How is that? They're not looking to get any money back on their taxes because of charity. They say, out of the goodness of my heart. They're sincere. There is merit to that. God will see that in reward. But what a tragedy if with the cookies and the visitation to talk to Johnny and Harold and Susie and whoever is there that has violated the law, they're behind bars now, and they go spend some time. You know, they feel good, and the visitor feels good too. End of the day, what use is it if they're not born again? They'll end up in hell together. The people on the inside and the people on the outside will all be inside one day in a prison with his fire forever. That's the truth of Scripture. But if the visitor goes with a sincere heart, with the truth, that with the cookies, with the visitation, I'm going to tell them Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for your life today. Above him there's no other. You need Jesus. He's the way. And here's some literature. The next time I come, I'm going to ask you. Hello, Harold. Hello, Johnny. Hi, Susie. What did you think about that track I gave you? Did you read it? Do you have any questions? Okay. God bless you. Here's another cookie. Here's a bag for you. And a very tactful follow-up, led by the Spirit of God. Not pressure, but prudent approach to follow up. I'd say that woman could fall under the category of an apostle. Sent out to give the word and then following up, there's a church forming within the prison. How? I don't see steeples and bells and I don't see uh, um, pews, but then the church is a living organism. The body of Christ one by one, the person commits his or her heart to the Lord and says, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all my crimes against you, Lord. I didn't forgive, and that led to another thing. And Would you wash me with your blood? The apostles are still here. There are two categories of apostles in the Bible. One of those who actually saw Jesus. But then you have apostles like Junia, different people who are there sent and they establish churches and they also follow up and they superintend a region. God has never said that apostles have ceased. The fivefold ministry continues to this day. But God only knows what task, and that's the point. Night is coming when no one can work. What has God God called us to? Well, here's the problem. The disciple says, not worth it. 
Not worth it. Why? Because somebody sinned. Many times the disciples would judge wrongly and the Lord had to correct them. And so would we, unless the Lord corrects us. And it's important for us to say, Lord, I need an overhaul. Lord, completely take away every notion, Lord, every preconceived notion, every pattern of thinking, every religious thinking. I don't want any of it, Lord. I just want the truth. I want to know how to love like you loved. I want to work while there's still light before the night comes. How does the night come? How does darkness come? Governmental edicts. You see that in many countries. Even this country, there have been court cases taken to the highest level in the land. Why? You know why? Because at some graduation, some high school graduation, some girl or some boy, even the valedictorian, who said, I thank Jesus. And immediately the authorities were called. Having no understanding of what the Constitution meant when it talked about separation of church and state. It was for the protection of the freedom of religion. Nowhere did it say that you can't have mention of God. There's a demonic interference that came, twisted the law. And many people, without looking into it or caring, immediately jump on that and begin to become impulsive and say, well, we have to abide by the law. What is the law? What does the Constitution actually say? But such things have happened to children because they mention Jesus' name. And praise be to God, there are Christian attorneys all over the land who have taken these cases and shown in court and won the cases to say this is unconstitutional, what's happened to this child because of the mention of Jesus Christ. But the night is coming where things can change, where it can become a law. The Constitution can be changed. Is it not possible? The entire thing can actually be ripped up. How? Some sacred document like that to the people of this land for all these years? Anything can happen. The reason is the God of this world is the devil. Although God created the world and he has the sovereignty over the universe, Because of sin, the enemy has crept in to board meetings, legislative meetings, school systems. Everywhere you see the enemy is alive and well. Why? Because they pervert everything. They teach children. You came from some amoebic soup. You evolved. You used to be a Neanderthal. You used to be a caveman. You didn't know anything. Used to walk around like an ape, and somehow, to through the process of evolution, you're able to carry some books now and a book back to school. You have a book bag, but you're still an ape. Now, your behavior, do whatever you feel like. And so, the teachers, so the students. Night is coming when no one can work. Laws can come very stringent, very quickly. What happened under Hitler? Everybody was enjoying everything. The man began to speak in some corner, and he was a little bit of an annoyance, but he seemed to have some things about nationalism, and they said, it's okay, he's just got a little party there, and he's got his own thing, it's like a little treehouse, clubhouse, you know, he's got his swastika and uniform and round shirts, as they called them, and 
He's just doing his thing. Let him do his club work there. And the hatred and the venom began to spew, and he wrote the book, Mein Kampf, and other nations also ignored him for too long. He took over. Darkness came upon Germany and Austria and all the surrounding regions, and he wanted to conquer the world. What was the law? Don't you dare mention God, unless you mention God the way I want it to be mentioned, him to be mentioned. But God is with me while I murder people. You have to serve me. If you serve me, you're serving God. You don't serve me, you're not serving God. You'll be put into prison, you'll be executed. Darkness can come very quickly. It was just a few years, relatively speaking, just a few years, the entire country was taken over. Under the Roman government during the time of Jesus, you saw what happened. God himself predicted, the Lord said, I tell you, not one stone will be left on top of another. This beautiful building, this expanded temple under Herod, here for hundreds of years, how could it possibly come down? These tall buildings in the heart of the financial capital of the world, there's no way it can come down. You know, the security we have is only in the blood of Jesus. And to walk worthy of his name and to do what he told us to do, finish the work and say, I'm done, Lord. I've done the assigned task and I'm ready to go to be with you. Without that, it's total darkness within us. He said, but while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. I live in us. Now, this is the work that he's talking about. What is the task? This brings me to another point. To tell the gospel is one thing. To demonstrate the power of God goes with the gospel because gospel is dunamis, is dynamite power in the spiritual world. It has the power to open a person's eyes. Can you say that? Can't each one of us say that? The good news or the gospel, this evangelion, this news of Jesus coming to the world to die for my sins on the cross, crucified for me, and then after he was dead and they buried him, on the third day he rose from the dead and every promise is true and he's the only one that's alive to execute his own will for millions and billions of people whoever will believe in him. That power of that gospel has exploded the devil's stronghold in my life. What were those strongholds? What were those prisons? All of us can testify. One can say the prison of alcohol, a slave to alcohol. God exploded that prison and set free forever. Now one can say that the prison of drugs. Jesus set me free. No one but Jesus. Now one can say I had this medical condition. I had this psychological condition. I had this relational problem. God came and exploded on the scene and took the devil out. No more am I tied to the enemy to do his will. I'm free to love, to serve, to look at everyone differently than I used to look at them. Another one can say, you know, I used to be full of bitterness. I was a prisoner of my own bitterness for years and affected my mind, my body. I couldn't understand why I couldn't find happiness. I turn on the TV and it's like a sugar high. As soon as I turn it off, I'm back to my problem and call this one and that one, go shopping or go visiting this one or that one. We have a good time, but it only lasts like that sugar for 20 minutes. 
and I come crashing down and I have a headache now and I have to go back to work and I have to there's you know, so many things to do taxes and keep up with the town and keep up with this and that and life just goes on and just going through the motions but we can say the gospel has power and this is the point when we give the gospel we should expect lives to be changed and we should have power that when we pray people's lives are changed when they come to you with a need they want to know is this just another creed you know you're a Christian or a Muslim or you're Jewish or you're atheist or agnostic or you're a Zoroaster religious follower you're a Buddhist you're Hindu it's just another flavor just like ice cream whatever suits you whatever you like and you want to push that on me well I'll think about it but you see when somebody has a problem Jesus is the answer the problem solver you can say my God is alive I'm going to pray for you and God is going to work really when the answer comes you'll know this is not just another creed not just another religion something's going on here and what well, do you think your Jesus can help me with this problem well you know he did something for you so that you can turn to him and surrender because he's the Lord of the universe he made you and he died for you are you ready to do that he's been so good to you and you didn't know him would you surrender to him he'll do everything for you all that you need that's how through the power of that gospel when we proclaim the gospel because we're in the light and God's behind our words and we have the faith because we are walking with him we're able to pray for people and there's a result people get healed people their marriages that are so rocky all of a sudden through the intervention of a man or a woman who is just obedient to Jesus working before the night comes sharing the gospel at work at school in the neighborhood with the family how many times people end up in funerals there's such a terrible regret you know I could have spent more time with them I didn't know famous rock group one of the band members is a super group in the 60s from Britain after one of them was shot dead in 1980 the other one both of them prolific writers lyricists the other one said I wish I had known he was going to die I would have been more uh, kind to him they were at war with each other made millions and millions together then when this tragedy happened the bitterness between them this one regretted and said I wish you, I would have known he was going to die I would have been a little better with him the greatest tragedy is I wish I could have told him the gospel who my family member why didn't you I I didn't want to get myself in trouble with them I didn't want them to think I'm trying to push something on them and besides they're this and that and they'll think less of me and why don't you tell them I'm serious Jesus loves you have you received him into your life we want to have a life with no regrets we can change that we can say Lord night is coming when no one can work I must work the works of him that sent me then he spit on the ground 
made mud with the saliva. And people read this and they say, ooh. And yet what happens when a parent kisses a little baby on the mouth? We need to know this is God. We're all his babies. He loves us. And he's doing something particular over here. His clothing had power. God carried power in his clothing, just like Paul later on with, with the aprons or the handkerchief. There is a supernatural power in it, not because they wanted to be a self-proclaimed uh, miracle worker. They actually received it from God. That's why when Paul's handkerchief touched people who were in bondage to the devil, the devils left. Just Paul's handkerchief. Now Jesus' clothing carried power because his body was in that clothing. How much more his saliva? He made mud. God's breath into Adam's nostrils. God's DNA in the saliva. Spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. This is the life-giving spirit, the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And as he touched him, on the eyes with the mud that he made, the clay from the ground, his saliva, he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. Sending you, go do it. The man went and washed and came back seeing. Very purposefully, the Lord did not heal him on the spot to the point where he can see instantly, physically. The power was given into the man's body. The miracle was released, but the obedience had to follow through for it to manifest. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit, who used to sit and beg? Looks just like him, the guy that we used to see by the subway. Every time, everybody's rushing to work, you know, it's 8 o'clock, 8.30. You have hundreds and thousands of commuters going for school, for the job. Briefcases and sandals and shoes. and Everybody's rushing to make it to work. The morning air. And here's that man sitting there. He's blind and he's begging. You can see his eyes are not normal. What's he doing over there? He's looking at everybody in the eye now. They're all wondering, wait a minute. Oh, we don't have time for this. But that, that was the guy. We don't know what's going on. I have to make it to work. But these people's neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Hey, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? Which doctor did you go to? What happened? How did this happen? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. 
very often the Lord will give directions and there are people who follow and there are people who don't follow. And the people who don't follow the instructions go away saying, you know what, I went there and they said I can get healed, I didn't get healed. I went to God and I was supposed to get a job and a new car and everything and they told me all these things that God will do things for me eventually. I showed up and nothing happened. Did we follow the instructions? To leave before we can cleave. We have to leave the current situation. He was told to get up and go somewhere else. When he obeyed, then he saw the miracle take place. God has many, many things that are waiting to be released into our lives. Can you imagine that? Packages and packages like UPS. You have hundreds of packages all over your front porch, onto the street. All of them have your name on it. This is for you. You're overwhelmed. What? You know what you decide to do? I need to call a truck, a flatbed. Can you pile all of that on there, please? Uh, where should we put it, ma'am, sir? Put it right there by the side of the house. I don't have time for it. I'm supposed to open it to see. But then again, the packages may have specific instructions on how to open them. This is fragile. This is this. This is that. Make sure you open it this way. This is upside down. Don't do it. And then when they're ready to do that, open it. Go there indiscriminately with no attention to the instructions. Everything's a mess. Beautiful crystal figurines, expensive items, all there lying in the mud because they didn't take care to open the package properly. Instructions are important. No wonder. Like that person may complain, well, all this trash now. They're all broken. They're all... Who sent me this package anyway, these packages? Complainers and grumblers, fault finders and murmurers. But the humble one who said, okay, I'm so thankful. What do I have to do? Repent. Of what? I didn't rob any bank. Forgive that person you're holding a grudge against. I can forgive you. My gifts can come to you. Step by step. Uh, go and fill out this application. I don't feel like it. Mr. Blessing. I want to do this. Don't do that. Get into trouble. Call this person. I don't feel like calling them now. Say this. I don't want to. Don't call that person. I'm going to call them. Imagine if this man, after the Lord took that dirt Sand or soil and mixed it with the saliva, made mud. Took the time to do that and put it on the man's eyes. How tender the Lord is. He doesn't just stay there with a stern face and have a scepter and say, Go, you're healed. Go on. How tender. Reminds us of Genesis when the Almighty God breathed into that clay. Figure had no life until he breathed into the nostrils of that clay figure. Adam became a living soul. God is very, very tender. But he is almighty. We have to follow his commandments. 
Imagine if you said, this, I don't understand anything. What are you putting on my eyes? It's sticky. It's gooey. Somebody help me get this off my eyes. It's bad enough I can't see. Now i got this stuff on my eyelids. Who wants me to go to the pool of Siloam? Somebody give me a cup of water. Somebody throw some water on my eyes. Help me. He would have missed his blessing. Oh, he would have got the mud off his eyes. He would have missed his healing. No way he would have been healed if he didn't obey. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, but you know what? At that point, he could have sinned by disobedience. At that very point when the blessing was right on the verge of coming to him, he could have missed it. But thank God he was an obedient man. So it is with us. May the Lord help us to obey God's voice. When he tells us to do something, let's go and do exactly what he said, the way he said to do it. Carry it out. Do that. Forgive. Speak when he says to speak. Don't speak when he says don't speak. Don't mess up God's plan, his ways, righteousness. Go and do what he says, and you come back seeing. God will do the miracle in your family. And people will know, this is a family that has so many problems. And look, they're flourishing. They're the model family. How? A miracle happened. Who did it? Jesus. Hallelujah. Same thing with the finances. Same thing with the physical body. Everything the Lord will do, He's the answer. He's our great God. We must do what He says. Tell people about Jesus while we still can before the night comes. Don't judge people. Love them by telling them the whole truth about Jesus. And pray for them. Demonstrate the power of God. And they will come. Shall we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that you move people, Lord, to pray for others on the job, Lord, and their families, Lord, to make sure their hands are clean, their hearts are pure, and then go and convey God's love, the pure love, the light, with the power of God, Lord, to pray for people sincerely. Take the time. Demonstrate that my God is real. May many people come to faith through your people, on the call this morning, Jesus, as they follow you exactly with every command you give. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not hold back. Not to go ahead of you. But to walk with you. Lord, I pray that you help each of us to speak to our own family members, extended family, before the night comes when no man can work to understand the task given to every single genuine child of God, true believer, true disciple, to tell others that Jesus is the answer. No one but Jesus. And he who healed this blind man, born blind, can set things right in your life. Lord, in our lives, to lovingly go to family members before it's too late, Oh, Lord, before it's too late, how many people in funerals, Lord, they make up statements that are not true. Heaven weeps because people are masquerading as if the person that died is actually in heaven when they're not because they never, ever made the decision to surrender to one person, one only, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. They're religious, they're charitable, but they didn't surrender to Jesus. They didn't say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. 
I follow him. I obey his orders. Lord, they were not true disciples. How can people say he was a good man? She was a good woman. She did this, that, and the other thing. And we know she's in a better place. She's in a better place when it's not true. Help us while there's time. Help us while there's time to have the urgency, Lord, to do the task assigned to each of us before the night comes. Oh, Lord, the amount of truth you've given us to be able to convey that to help others and not to hold it back. Lord, and to be filled with your Spirit to bring deliverance to people. May we wait on you and seek you and believe you to walk in the light so that others can also be born again. Others can have their problems solved, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise and thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I was at work one day a few years ago. There was a Muslim man that came in from Bangladesh. First time I met him, and he was complaining about his heart. He said, they took me to the hospital the other time, the ambulance. He said, something's wrong with my heart. And he came back, and then he said, I'm having the pain again. And I'm having, he's starting to sweat. My heart went out immediately because of his condition. And he was telling me, should I call our headquarters in our command center to tell them to dispatch an ambulance? I said, you know, whatever you'd like to do, I can wait with you over here. And then I thought, let me pray for him. I said, I said, God loves you. I said, I said, Jesus, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I said, Jesus, Jesus can help you. I said, can I pray for you? And he reluctantly said, yes. And I put my hand right on his chest. And I prayed for him. And then he said, thank you. And I left. And I saw him again some weeks later. And he told me he's, he's fine. God can do those things. You may see something manifest immediately or may be some time before you get to know what happened. But how can I have the boldness to do that? What am I trying to achieve? Even though he's a colleague with thousands of employees, he's a stranger, I didn't know if I would ever see him again, but I knew that I was walking with the Lord and he put the burden in my heart. I knew that I can trust the Lord and he will demonstrate what he wants to because I'm just doing his will. How will people know when everybody comes neatly dressed, everybody's in their cubicle or their department, and nobody knows they're a Christian, when you have the power within you to set people free? There's a time and place to do it. There's a proper way. But if we're not open to that truth, to know that I'm an ambassador wherever I am, whether in the family, in my house, on the job, in the marketplace, I have the power to call upon God. Can you say that? I have the power to call upon God and he's going to answer the prayer for a person to whom I'm sharing Jesus with. Then they will know your God is a living God. Praise be to God.